Uncaged. Uncaged. A show celebrating thought leadership from today's top business leaders. The program provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the world of commerce tomorrow. And now, please welcome our host, Bant Breen, as we begin another Uncaged episode. Today, we're speaking with Sandra Pham. Hey, Sandra, how are you? Good. How are you, Ben? It's great to have you on the program. I'm really, really well. I'm excited to talk to you about all the stuff that you're working on. Sandra is the Vice President of Finance, People, and Culture at the Permanente Federation, which represents the approximately 24,000 physicians that provide exclusive care for about 12.5 million Kaiser Permanente members nationwide. Uh, And we'll talk more about what the Federation is up to these days. But before we get into it, tell us a little bit about yourself and your career. Sure. Uh, I started off my career in terms of operations. I've always uh, focused in two areas, which is healthcare and education. Those Mm -hmm. are the two areas I have a personal passion for. And those are the two areas where I really have felt that in in multiple ways, they really touch and make an impact on people's lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, those, those are really quite important areas. And clearly you've done some spectacular work in the educational field and also the medical areas. And so tell me a little bit more about what you're working on now at the Permanente Federation. Sure, in terms of the Permanente Federation, I support their finance initiatives in terms of the normal finance force for budgeting and forecasting. I also have a great opportunity in terms of supporting the Kaiser Permanente School of Medicine, which Mm -hmm. we're all very proud of. The school is actually only three years old at this time, but it's wonderful. And it's already been named by the News and World Report in terms of number six, in terms of diverse schools of medicine in terms of candidates, number six in the nation, number two in California. Uh, In addition, I also lead their people and culture efforts, which is typical HR functions that have to do with recruiting and retaining talent as well, supporting our equity inclusive and diversity initiatives. I mean, today, Sandy, everyone's talking about talent, people, culture, Uh, Tell me a little bit more about the the landscape that you're finding in that space. Well, I think it's the same thing that we're all facing right now, that in terms of COVID, it's really changed the way people have thought. First, in terms of the fact that we've had to rethink how work is done. Work that in the past we've always said had to be on site. People Mm -hmm. found a way because they had no choice to be effective and manage it remotely. And then two, I think like anything else where it made a very profound impact on people, uh, whether they or someone they knew were touched by the pandemic, it's really made people rethink of how they want to spend their life, how they want to spend their time. And even though we've all talked about it before, much more profoundly thinking in terms of work-life balances. So I'm sure I'm not the only person who had personal family and friends who rethought in terms of where does their career fit in terms of their, their overall life. 
uh, people who, you know, something have always been put off, but now have started second careers in terms of things that they were really passionate about, or other people who really said, hey, you know, do I want to continue working full time, or do I really want to just do something completely different and find something I'm passionate about? So I think in terms of it, the landscape has really changed. I think the landscape has also changed when you're looking at recruiting and retaining talent because more than ever, you have a very, very educated workforce. And mm. what I mean by that is they're very educated about their options. Mm. They know that there are options for them and they're also educated in terms of just not assuming certain things in terms of whether it's you know looking at having a hybrid arrangement or also in the past where people had to consider, hmm, you know, do I want to do a 90 minute commute each direction? Yeah. Now it's opened up the world to them in terms of I'm no longer limited in my job search based on commute time, right? right? Suddenly it worked out before that, you know, maybe you're in California, but there's a great opportunity in Nebraska and you right. don't necessarily need to move to Nebraska, but you can travel there. Uh, yeah. you know, on a periodic basis. So I, I think it's really opened up options and opportunities for people that I, I think rightfully so, they're very educated about. Yeah, that's a really great point that one, we now are in this situation where there's just a vast amount of information that's available, people are sharing more. And mm -hmm. so all of the basic components of recruiting and retaining yeah, you just have to be on top of your game. I mean, it also seems like it requires a lot more customization. How do you manage all of that kind of uh, handling specific people's challenges? It, it just, it seems almost overwhelming for the organization. Well, I think the first thing is recognizing that you have a very educated workforce and mm. that you need to address their concerns. And that in terms of it, uh, you know, people are thinking more in terms of managing their careers along with their lives and being able to articulate and not assume that the employees know that one, the employees are happy, that employees will tell you if they're not otherwise. But I think it puts more onus on the organization. I think it puts more onus on managers, good managers to check in, see yeah. how people are doing, see if they're getting what they need see if they're growing in their role. And it doesn't necessarily mean a career move or a title change, but are they still interested in what they're doing? Are they intellectually curious about what they're doing? Are there stretch assignments that they can do? Are they still burning in their yeah. job, right? But I, I think it's not the assumption that I haven't heard from Sandy and she's getting all her work done, so <laughs> things must be good, right? Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I, I think that the word that pops to mind is kind of a holistic perspective, really, you know, kind of making sure that you're looking at the whole person and kind of making sure that the employment aspect of their lives fits into that self that they're that they're building. But, you know, one of the parts of your job is obviously culture. You know, we, we've lived through this incredible moment, this pandemic. How has that changed culture for the organization? And how do you guys manage that shift? You know, in, in some ways, it's changed the culture for certain organization in a very good way. And what I mean by that is because everyone's working remotely, a lot of people compensated more in terms of more communication, right? Mm. More communications in terms of larger town halls, more all hands meeting, more frequent check-ins. Uh, you know, I, I think those things are things that 
you know, whereas you can always count on seeing each other in the hallways or just, you know, I'll go ahead and mention it to her. There's more planned interaction and communication, which I think would be great to keep regardless of your work situation. I think in other ways, the remote uh, work also has put an onus on the fact that you know, as organizations and as teams, we have to work to make sure that there's still a sense of connectivity. There's a natural sense of connectivity when we see each other around the proverbial water cooler. Yeah. Ben and I can, I can say, well, we haven't caught up in a long time. Do you want to walk to lunch together, right? Yeah. There's the natural forming of relationships so that mm-hmm. you and I work together so that the only time we don't, you know, it's not the only time we talk to each other is when we have a problem to solve, right? We have a relationship that we can fall back on so that if something happens, and that seems really strange to me, you know, my first thought is, oh, let me go with a vent. That's, a, yeah. you know, he'll explain why this looks so strange. So I, I think I think that's the part that in the remote environment, you have to work harder in terms of building the relationships that really build the cohesiveness of a team. And for an individual level, the sticky factor, the sticky factor for the employee to their work, their team or their organization in yeah. terms of that, you know, so I, I think it does require organizations be more creative. Yeah. They do have to think through when they need to be together, when they need to have an offsite. Uh, if it, people require travel now, because uh, it's very common now during this landscape that, you know, uh, when people work remotely, many people moved. Some yeah. people no longer are close to where they originally work. So, you know, you have to be more thoughtful about that. But I've seen some very creative things in terms of organization where they plan virtual social events, wine and cheese socials, uh, whatever it may be, chocolate tasting. But w- whatever it is, just really creating those opportunities where you do nothing except get to know each other and form the relationship and get to know each other as individuals outside of the work of, hey, Matt, where are we going on that report? Is it coming soon? Yeah, no, I think it's such a great, great point. I found that uh, during the last couple of years that because you were connecting with people virtually so much more, certainly there were the challenges with not being together in, in the same kind of physical area. But strangely enough, the positive is that there was almost a level of connection and maybe intimacy that you had with that person because you kind of were in their home. You, you knew their dog barked at this time. And, you know, so you got to know people in some ways better than you might know them. If you just knew them in a work environment, you know, classic work environment. And so, you know, recently we had a kind of a company gathering. We actually brought everyone together and, you know, we'd hired, you know, uh, probably about 100 people. And it was amazing to finally physically see these people and meet them because it was, uh, you know, such a different, different way of kind of interacting. And um, I think obviously finding that balance between the two is going to be key for every organization and certainly kind of what you guys are doing at the Federation. But, uh, you know, one of the questions I had for you is, you know, you, you started, I think, at the Federation probably like during or right, you know, right around the time of the COVID really kind of hit us. Um, So tell me a little bit more about what that journey was like over the last, over that period, because you're in a health, a health related, uh, you know, company. 
You know, that, actually, that's a great point, because I, I, I did forget to mention that there are so many of us now who are onboarding during COVID time. So that is a different relationship in order to form that, that cohesiveness factor. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think in terms of that, that's where I think about that journey. And I think about all the new employees we bring on. And even if we are working remotely, when they're going to get their name badge the first time, where they're going to get their computer, you know, I always want to be there. I want to be mm -hmm. there so they have someone that they met and hopefully it's a face they've already met virtually, but someone they met who walks them to every place and right. just and directs them in terms of it, who's there to pitch questions, who takes them out to lunch on their first day and just make sure that everything is working before they're sent home and they're by themselves because as you know, working remotely, suddenly we're also each other's own IT department, yeah. which none of us had experienced before because previously you were showing your workplace and everything was there and it turned on and worked. And if it didn't, somebody came and helped you and you could do something else until it worked. Now, yeah. boy, it's your job to make it work because otherwise you can't do your job. So I, I think that's a great point. I think the other thing is, yeah, it's been intense on the healthcare organization. It's been intense for all of our physicians and clinicians who, you know, you see it and maybe people feel it's overused, but they really are the healthcare heroes. Yeah. They're the ones who are still showing up for work every day during this last two years when the rest of us were told to stay home for our own safety and others. They're the ones who went where everyone who was sick and displaying symptoms were, right? And that was before vaccinations. That was why it was still a little mysterious. We knew some of the things we can do like masking and gloving to keep ourselves safe, but it was still a little bit mysterious in, in terms of it. They were the ones showing up yeah. You know, front, front when the best of us stayed yeah. home uh, and, and it's it's been intense for them in terms of for our physicians and our clinicians, uh, as you can imagine, uh, there's probably a lot more burnout in terms of that where people have, are thinking through there is a shortage. There is mm. a shortage in terms of physicians and nurses in terms of that. So in addition to working under pandemic conditions, they were also oftentimes working short-staffed. Right. And they needed to because there was no one else to, right? And that's, and that's kind of what they knew. But it was the point where I think as a, as a community, we all really became educated how much healthcare workers were you know, frontline heroes, just the same way that you and I are used to thinking about, you know, the fire department or the police departments who are rushing in when there are emergencies. Yeah. Uh, so it's, 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 it's tough. I think in terms of it, the healthcare organizations are still dealing with those issues. They're still looking at the next surges. They're still looking at right now. And, and similar to us, they have also had to think through how work has changed. You know, in terms of very much, there are certain things that you must be there and you must provide care in person. And yeah. where now you're thinking about the fact that it's very realistic to have virtual care. You know, when can you take care of the, of the patient where it can be as effective without them getting in their car, parking, checking in and being seen, and it saves them time and it's convenient. And once again, it's also safer for them. Yeah, I mean, I'm all for the virtual care thing. I think it's absolutely brilliant. And I, I just think about so many of the amazing stories we heard about, 
the efforts of these frontline teams, frontline workers, doctors, and also, I mean, I would say, you know, the nurses as well, just incredible oh, I, I hours, say, right? Yeah, and when yeah. I say that, I, I want to be clear, I mean, it's not just doctors and nurses. Yeah. I know you and I use that to mean all healthcare workers, but it's it's everyone. It's the dietary staff who yeah. bought who ensured that there was food for inpatients during this time. You know, all of the people in environmental services who made sure that things were clean and sanitized. It's everything it took to support as all, everybody on the whole healthcare team. So, I mean, was mental health an issue that kind of came up? And I mean, how do you guys manage that? It's a huge issue, actually, both in healthcare and when we think about the people and culture environment. Mm. You and I talked in terms of the strain of the pandemic environment, you know, the strain that our healthcare workers were through. And this is actually where I think there was big change in terms of mental health, in terms of a lot of people being very effective and a lot of people reaching out and making use of mental health virtually or by phone. You know, yeah. once again, not having to invest that time. But two, and I think this has been a wonderful change in, in our community uh, that we've all seen in the last 10 years. No longer stigma, just very much in terms of also the fact that there's a lot of recognition for people re realizing when they, they need to have help or support and getting it. And everyone yeah. really, really admiring that. I, I also think in terms of it, you know, talking in an employee environment, you know, there's the stress of everyone working short staff as we're yeah. trying to recruit people, as people are rethinking what they're doing in terms of working short staff and everyone worrying more about burnout. Mm. You know, employee burnout, in addition to all the wonderful things we want to do, which is hoping that employees are still growing in their job, learning, being excited, and really feeling that what they contribute and do is valuable. And really understanding how it all connects, uh, you know, and, and making sure that they know that. But also in terms of all of that, you know, the burnout that can take place of trying to do the best you can, getting it done and being by yourself, working in your home. Also for a lot of people, working by yourself. Yeah. You know, all hours of the day, whereas before you're used to seeing the interaction, people popping by your desk, being able to pop by someone else's desk. So I, I think in terms of mental health, yes, I, I would probably say in terms of all sides, uh, I, I think it has been hard on people. Yeah, no, I can I can imagine. And what a challenging moment, uh, certainly on all aspects of, of the talent front. And I thank God you guys are able to build and, and grow it and, and keep it heading in the right direction. And I mean, we're hopefully at a moment, I would, uh, and I'm going to say hope, probably I should knock <laughs> on wood somewhere, that the, the focus of COVID will perhaps sit alongside perhaps other medical focuses mm -hmm. and, and will allow us to kind of think about the world in a in a, in a broader perspective, from a broader perspective, but you know, what does 2022 look like for you and the team, Sandy? I think in terms of 2022, I think hope is a great way to characterize it. I think there is a lot of hope on the horizon. I think the recent announcements where people no longer have to travel on planes wearing face masks and other things, you see that travel is going back and, and increasing, which I think is one wonderful for people's mental health because when they were during the pandemic at home, a lot of people did not use vacation times 
you know, because yeah. there was only so much creativity they felt to post vacations. But I think, you know, taking that break, making use of the time that you've earned to be away from work so you can appreciate it. I think that's key. I think the other thing is, I think we see an eagerness. I think we see an eagerness in the community about, you know, things opening up and getting back to a semblance of the new normal. You know, mm. I can tell you, uh, I was I was very happy and excited for the opportunities to eat back in restaurants, whether they were outside or inside, you know, love my restaurant takeout, but there's also something nice about having changes of scenery sometimes. Yeah, no, I know. I'm I'm a big foodie myself. And I got to tell you, going out to restaurants has been a blessing again to see see what's new, what's out there. It's still not totally back, obviously, but you know, not, step by not step. Completely back. But yeah. step by step towards your point, you know, now we're able to go back to the movie theater. Uh, appreciate the fact that we're able to stream a lot now, but there is mm-hmm. something about having that overpaying for the price of your movie popcorn <laughs> while you watch it on the big screen along with everyone else, you know, that I, I think also builds a community and I agree with you. It's not exactly the way it was, but my goodness, what a big step from this time last year. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, Sandy, you you and the team are working on a ton of stuff. If, if there are people that are out there that wanted to get in touch with you, where, where would be the best place to, to reach you? Oh, I would love to get in touch with people in terms of LinkedIn, uh, in terms of what we've talked about, whether it's in terms of EIT efforts in terms of recruiting and retaining talent. Always love to have the conversation. Always appreciate the sharing of good ideas. Because I know a lot of what we're all facing, we're all facing together. And once again, I, I do think in terms of pandemic, that did emphasize that for everyone. You know, we may have all been isolated, but it was one of the great equalizers that it impacted a lot of people. There was yeah. nobody who was isolated from that. Yeah. Well, it's been amazing to talk with you today. We've been speaking with Sandra Fahm. She's the Vice President of Finance, People, and Culture at the Permanente Federation, which represents the approximately 24,000 physicians that provide exclusive care for 12.5 million Kaiser Permanente members nationwide. We've been talking about uh, the talent challenges and opportunities uh, that we see right now in the space, uh, a development of culture in this new kind of hybrid work world that we, we find ourselves in. It's been an amazing discussion. Sandy, thank you so much for your time. We look forward to having you back on Uncaged in the future. Great. Thank you so much. Cheers. Cheers.